Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Manchester United nil, Paris Saint-Germain 2. The return of the Champions League requires a bumper Gagapod panel, and we have that for you today. David Wiener with you once again, but I've got Michael Bridges back by my side after a nice little holiday. Welcome back, Bridgie. How are you? Great to see you again, Dave. It's good to be back in the warmth. How was the trip? Freezing. Off with fantastic. Yes, got caught up some old Leeds colleagues, and we had a good night out in Leeds. We didn't see Leeds win, unfortunately. They got beat by Norwich, but good to go and see some live football in the UK and see family and friends. Brilliant. Thomas Sorensen, welcome back to the Egg and Pod. How are you? I'm good. Great. Now, if we need someone to get us through a long morning of Premier League, of Champions League and Gagapod action, someone with your stamina riding that bike. <laughs> I've been tired just looking at your social media posts. How's that all going, particularly with your ACL recovery? Yeah, it's, it's tough, uh, tough sledding. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm doing uh, uh, just over f- around 400 kilometres a week and uh, I've got a, a race now in, in, uh, in about a month's time, the Peaks, Peaks Challenge. So, uh, yeah, a lot of hard work ahead as well. 400 kilometres a week. Well, at least we've got someone else just as fit with all that stamina alongside us yeah. as well. Now, how happy are we to have Mel McLaughlin back on the program? Welcome back, Mel. Don't talk it up, Dave, but it is great to be here. I've missed you guys. It's very professional in here now. Well, it's good to have you back. We've got, to, really uh, we've got to up the ante. Can we just talk about how fancy it all looks? It's very impressive, but people can't see it. So we'll have to get to social media so that everyone can see it afterwards. Mm. Up the ante to have you back. And, uh, well, big morning of action, guys. First impressions from this morning's Champions League, where, of course, Manchester United... Neil, Paris Saint-Germain to Bridgie. It was a very, very professional performance by Paris Saint-Germain. I thought, I really felt United, the form that they were going into this game, the injuries that Paris Saint-Germain had without Carvani and Neymar, everything was just geared up for Solskjaer and United to get the win and the victory. And the first 15, 20 minutes, they, they had a goal. They got the fans behind them. And Tuchel and PSG, they just had a game plan. They had a, a style of play which absorb pressure and then they control the game and for me it was absolutely magic to watch the way Tuchel had two different formations with him without the ball and for me Solskjaer just got for the first time in his managerial career really schooled by the tactical nouns of Tuchel in the Champions League. Yeah, and it was especially down that uh, left-hand side of PSG with Bernat and uh, Di Maria interchanging, Di Maria moving inside a lot of times and, and really creating a, a huge amount of problem for, for Ashley Young and he didn't know if he was going to stay wide with Bernat or he's going to go inside and he probably didn't get the communication right with, with probably Herrera on that or Matic on that defensive uh, midfield position just to, to pick people up and yeah, it caused trouble all night and uh, yeah, they didn't like Bridget said, didn't really have the the answers, um, and uh, you know, PSG had the qualities. You had uh, Di Maria obviously coming back uh, to Old Trafford, and he had a tremendous game, fantastic delivery on on the on the, on the corner, of the first goal, and then you know setting up uh, Mbappe for 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 the winner. And you know, it looks it looks tough now for for Manu. Di Maria, you mentioned him. He was a bit of an angry man, wasn't he? This morning, he was very very fired up. But it was just one of those 
nights that you really, or mornings, were you really excited for the fixture? It's going to be massive to, you know, obviously when it's your team, United fan, very excited. And then you see how it's unfolding and you go, oh, hang on, I know what's happening. You, you know what's going to happen there. And I think one of you guys said in the post-match, and it's exactly how I felt, you mentioned the World Cup, watching France. There was a moment where you just had to sit back in, and look on in awe when you know they went on a roll and Mbappe was at, at the business end and you just kind of, there's nothing you can do about it. And you're right, Solskjaer, every time they cut to him, he just looked a bit of a blank stare like, oh, we've got to deal with this. And, and beforehand, before the match, he even said, we just want to go to Paris with as little damage done as possible, which is not the most positive sign, <laughs> if you ask me. But uh, terrific atmosphere, just unfortunate result, but completely fair. We've, United's got a lot of work to do. Uh, in Europe, obviously. Well, speaking of the atmosphere, our eyes and ears on the ground was Mark Schwartz. We promised you a bumper panel, and to do that, we've got a phone call into Schwartzy now. Hello, mate. Good night. Good evening over there to you. How was the night at Old Trafford? How are you going, guys? Yeah, very good. Very good. Just listening to you guys there. It was a, it was a you know, fantastic atmosphere. PSG fans, um, as they were in full, you know, full voice, it was brilliant. Really lifted the atmosphere at Old Trafford as they were in the first um, early stages of the, of the competition when they were away at Liverpool, we were fortunate enough to be at that game as well. They really added a different kind of atmosphere. I mean, the flares down the main street, stopping traffic, but it was all, it was all well-behaved. Um, it was just added extra flavour to it. So it was a very, very exciting game of football. And, I, and, and you know, I have to agree, PSG, very impressed with the way they played. Uh, I thought they were very cool, very mature performance. How did the Old Trafford crowd react to sort of the first signs of um, trouble under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Um, you know what? They were, they, were, they were very, very quiet at times, I thought. And I, and I thought they were still very supportive of the team. Um, they didn't leave early. I was, you know, I was there with Jules Breach in the stadium and watching the game and said to her, you know, in the last 10 minutes, surprising that still the stadium was so full. Um, they were 2-0 down, looked like they weren't ever going to get back in the game. Um, and obviously, as we know, they didn't. And uh, the Manchester United fans uh, all stayed in the stadium and watched it till the very end. So it, it was, you know, he's got a huge amount of support. The fans absolutely love him. But it was his, obviously his, his first real major test. Um, and unfortunately, they, you know, they come up a little bit short. They come up against a side that has an incredible amount of experience in Champions League football. And uh, they were they were brilliant. You're watching from close quarters. Just how good were Paris Saint-Germain, even considering the injury problems they had with no Neymar and no Cavani? I have to say they did surprise me as well. Um, I thought that, um, I thought the, you know, for uh, in particular, Verratti, uh, Marquinhos, the two holy midfielders were, were excellent. I thought in the first half, you know, the game, Manchester United had more possession. They seemed to be um, a little bit more in control of the game. But every time PSG won the ball back, they were. It was too easy for them to find the pockets to actually hit United on the counter. There was a couple of close calls, uh, which I think were right in terms of offsides, where Mbappe had a chance, Di Maria had a chance. There were early warning signs. And as the game evolved, obviously Martial and Lingard going off was a big blow to United. However, I, you just always felt that the momentum and the swing was towards PSG. And they just looked the more accomplished, more settled side. And, and, and in the end... Um, I think United were a bit lucky not to have lost by by a higher scoreline. So, Swartu, where do United go from here in the second leg? How do they? What Solskjaer going to do um, that is going to be different when he comes up against Tuchel again? How do they get back into this? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a big question, isn't it? I mean, it, I, I think you know, obviously they've got nothing to lose. They've got to go to 
to Paris now, and, and then they've got to be on the front foot. They've got to try and take the game to PSG. Um, you know, the, the news is obviously that Neymar still won't be fit for that return leg. Um, Cav, you know, Cavani, who knows? I mean, he possibly will be fit, but on tonight's showing, they don't need him. You know, they, they were they were brilliant without them. Um, so I think it's I think it's a really really tall. I don't I don't see them getting beyond it. I can't see PSG at home being beaten by United. And if they do, it'll only be a, you know be a very very close scoreline. I think PSG, you know, with the attacking powers the plays that they have, will still score. I think United still look fragile in terms of defence. Um, um, and and you know you've still got an issue. You've got an issue now with. Is Lingard, how long is Lingard going to be out for? How long is Martial going to be out for? I don't think Sanchez is anywhere near the same player he was at Arsenal. Um, and then obviously you've got still concerns over, you know, Lukaku. You know, he's still very, very down on confidence and, and hasn't had a lot of game time. Well, what about Sanchez though? He came on and, and he's the almost the invisible shrinking superstar at this point. Is, is, is anything left in, in his leg from what you saw? I don't think so. I, I said it last season when he when he was at United. I I, I actually think I think he's he, he's dropped he's dropped at least probably a yard a yard and a half in pace. Um, you know, he's a guy that you know he's, he's built his game on a lot of speed, a lot of power, taking on players. Every time he used to get the ball, he used to you could see the fear in players' eyes. He would create something from nothing. Um, every time he got the ball, you thought he would actually you know tear a team apart. Now. He struggles to get beat, beat people, and actually, a lot of the time when he does win the ball, he very rarely takes players on. He looks to offload it and then try and get around people, and he and he has lost that 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 pace. Shorty, I know from my point of view, obviously we know he got the um, Solskjaer, the tactics largely wrong. He was outclassed. The substitutes um, were questionable to say the least at, at um, I, I suppose, half time as well. But uh, I'm excited to see. I think this is a real test for Solskjaer, as we know, uh, going over to Paris. You know, there could be some kind of improvement. He's obviously still getting advice. He's being mentored. He, he speaks about that and he's often being talked, um, being asked about that permanent role. So this is a real chance for him to really show his worth. Yeah, but I think, you know, before the second leg, we're talking about them playing Chelsea in yeah. the FA Cup this, this Monday night then we're, or Tuesday morning in Australia. And you, then you talk about the following weekend, a massive, massive game against Liverpool. And, you know, we've already seen now, people are already talking about, hang on, is, is now other cracks now starting to appear? Is is this now a sign of, of where United really are um, coming up against that 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 top notch opponent, European team, a player a team full of very very experienced players that know how to win games in, in European football. So I think the key is the next two games: FA Cup against Chelsea away, and then Liverpool in the league, and and that's where we're going to see you know whether or not Solskjaer is up to the task of taking this team forward. Whether he is the man, then I think for next season to potentially be the the permanent uh, permanent choice as manager. Um, so I think it's a very telling sort of next ten days or so for for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, it's a massive three weeks ahead. Just a quick one on uh, just I'm always curious as to when you see fans in the crowd with their shirts off and wearing sunnies and stuff. Just how cold it, you guys were really rugged up. How cold was it over there? It's pretty cold, I have to say. It's not. It wasn't. You know, it was actually um, not as bad as we thought it would be, but it was still a bit of a chill in the air. Um, but those 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 PSG fans, they did not stop for the whole ninety minutes. They were bouncing and rocking the whole time. So it was I'm awesome. Sure they, it was awesome. Built up a pretty, pretty big big sweat, and the atmosphere was fantastic. And even I had a lot of Man United people come up to me, people who work at the club, that people that you know for the years now that have been at United, 
um, saying to me, you know, saying like, you know, how good are the PSG fans? They've been brilliant, best best away fans I've ever seen at, at Old Trafford. Um, so I mean, that, that's some call as well because they've had some big nights in European football and there's been some big opponents come to Old Trafford as well. Um, and uh, to say that, that's a, that's a massive compliment. Well, you mentioned the weather there, Mel. It must have been about minus 10, the way we saw Swartzy dressed and rugged up with that scarf. <laughs> but I think you got the wrong night at football. You you had like a, a mustard, orangey, minging scarf on. Now, are you a, were you at the Man United game against PSG or were you really supporting Dortmund against Tottenham tomorrow? Because you had their colours on and Swartzy, you looked absolutely shocking, mate. <laughs> Bridget, you know what? You know, the one thing that doesn't bother me is actually taking any sort of fashion sense from you, mate. A man who wears a cardigan to death, I don't have a problem with that, mate. Not at all. Well, um, I actually think it's, I've made the right choice when you actually make a comment about my dress sense. So, uh, absolutely no problem. The one thing I did get wrong, obviously, I got a massive call wrong. I said it actually, actually, Young got sent off, and, I, and I, in the end, it was actually Paul Pogba. But there was confusion at the stadium. And by that stage, we were pet side. Um, and there was a bit of a melee going on. But, yeah, other than that, mate, I thought my dress sense was okay. Jules said it was fine. Um, and I'm going with that. Um, so, yeah, so absolutely no problems, mate. Yeah, Swartzer, you got the support from the goalkeepers union here in the studio as well. I've, I've, I've seen Bridgie on numerous occasions uh, not looking the best himself, so you're okay, mate. <laughs> I, I get very worried when Bridgie, Thanks, says, when Bridgie says, I like your shirt. I'm like, oh, back, back changing, getting out of that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'd normally take it home and burn it. What about the beards on the coverage today? Pretty well, solid effort between you, Schwartz, I mean, and Rich. Well, I think yeah, that was the no, first time I've ever been the clean shavers on a coverage too, just quietly. So, <laughs> You must have shaved a couple of hours before, is that right, Dave? <laughs> Actually, just in the commercial break, Schwartzy. <laughs> but Schwartzy, he forgot to do his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Bridget, I called you my sparring partner, time, mate. Schwartzy, <laughs> uh, <you> just... <laughs> you are off to Wembley tomorrow for Spurs Dortmund. Quick tip on that one. And can you see... Um, Jaden Sancho lighting up the stage in his first competitive game in club football in England. Um, yeah, listen, he's, he's on fire, isn't he? I mean, he assists assist and scoring goals for Dortmund for fun. Um, Dortmund are in a bit of a bit of a funny situation at the moment. They're, the last three league games, they've, they've dropped points, they've drawn matches on the weekend. They were three 0 up against Hoffenheim and, and were pulled back to three three, which was a big surprise. So I think they're starting to feel the pressure. Bayern are picking up points now again breathing down their neck. Um, so it's interesting. But, you know, PSG had a bit of a wobble and then they come to Old Trafford and play so well. So I don't think you can write Dortmund off. Um, Spurs, you know, top team, absolutely top team. They're different without Harry Kane. It goes goes without saying. Um, so it's a really tough one to call. I think, you know, Dortmund will They love a lot of possession. They're a very quick counter-attacking team. Um, I think it's going to be another really, really interesting game. And it, I think at this moment in time, it's too tight to call. Cannot wait for that one. We'll touch on it only briefly because that is on Thursday morning, Australian time. And you may listen to this podcast after that. Um, but before we let you go, Schwartzy, just something that we're going to touch on a bit later in the show. And that's, of course, the continued fallout from the Alan Stadrick sacking uh, in here with the FFA. And um, we saw you quite vocal on social media a couple of weeks back with a bit of time to think about that as it's developed. Um, what are your thoughts on the developing situation there as the Matildas coaching situation continues to rumble on in the public eye? Well, I just don't think anything's changed in terms of my opinion from when it first broke in the fact that I just I think it's completely inappropriate, particularly a board member of the FSA would act and behave in such a manner. I think that the way that the whole um, uh, decision and the decision's been, been portrayed 
uh, and conveyed to the public has been really poor by the FFA. Um, and we're still no further and no clearer to the situation as to why the uh, Sudgers have lost their job. And I think that I think the Australian public and football community deserve to have that least, at the very least an explanation and a, and a, and a, and a valid explanation. Um, I feel very, very sorry for Fallon Sudgers. You know, I think it's um, been so poorly handled. Um, and uh, again, it's, it's in a time when you know the the Matildas have, have been the shining light in Australian football, and you know we're all really excited about seeing them at the World Cup next year. And and I, and I think you know knowing what it's like as a player, and when things um, get a little bit shaky in terms of management, and you lose a manager, I know how disruptive that can be. And 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 it's it's just the worst timing possibly. I bumped into Phil Neville today, and I, I talked to him about it, and I just said I can't believe that we've shot ourselves in the foot. I can't believe that we've behaved in such a way and we put our team in, in such a, a precarious situation leading up to a World Cup and a World Cup where the Matildas are seen as, as one of uh, a potential probably five or six teams that could win the World Cup. And that, that, that's something in particular, you know, that's something incredibly special. And Alice Sadiq was a big part of that. And, and, and that's what's really disappointing. Schwartzy, thank you very much for your thoughts. Thanks for staying up past midnight to chat to us and uh, enjoy tomorrow morning very much. Thanks again. Cheers, no problems. Enjoy, guys. Well, guys, um, we'll come back to that a little bit later. Of course, Roma this morning, 2-1 win over Porto, but the precious away goal there for the Portuguese side. And as I mentioned, Tottenham, Borussia Dortmund on Thursday morning, Ajax and Real Madrid. We cannot wait for that absolute blockbuster stuff. Guys, moving on to finish this sentence, which we do every week to maraud through a range of topics in the world of football. Um, We're going to go through some now. Mel, kicking off with you, returning to the Premier League. Sorry, this is a bit nasty. Sergio Aguero is... Uh, (coughs) Overrated. (coughs) No, he's not. Sorry, can't hear you. (laughs) I couldn't say it with a straight face. Uh, Unplayable, unstoppable, unbeatable, all that sort of stuff. No, he's just um, the best. How crucial is he, Thomas? And where does he rank in the players that you've had to stop in goal in the Premier League? He's definitely up there on his day. He, he can be a, a world-class uh, player. And, and we've seen that of late, obviously. And, and uh, you know, he's maybe a little bit overshadowed uh, in Argentina by, by the, the, the guy we, we all know, Messi. So uh, he's up against it. And, and I think as well with the rotation that, that's going on in Man City, it's, it's sometimes hard for him to find a rhythm because, you know, they... Uh, swap from time to time. He doesn't get a maybe a, a full run, and, and again the injuries. Um, yeah, he scored a few goals past me, and and uh, he's a quality finisher. Um, you know, he, he's unpredictable. He's got pace and power. He's got vision. He can link up. Uh, so he's he's an all round, yeah, all round good striker. He can strike from distance. Yeah, so quality. And he's better now than he ever has been, isn't he? I think he is because of the style of football they are playing and the players that he's got around him. Then Sterling, Sony, De Bruyne, Silva, Gundogan. It's just scary the production line and the product that these guys are, are managing to put in front of goal for this man, Sergio Aguero, because he, he, he's a goal scorer. For me, he's an all-rounder at the moment. He, he is one of the best strikers going um, in world football. But when you've got a team like that and the way that they are playing football, it's a striker's dream. You Very rarely do you have to do anything for yourself. And when you do, his goal against Chelsea just typified what that man is about when he can't, when he wants to do it. Yeah, there's talk at the moment now he's getting the praise he deserves for what he's achieved in the Premier League over the, over his career. Um, where does he stand in terms of the best number nines that you played with or against, or that you've watched, Mel? But we'll start with you, Bridgie, played with or against. He's got to be up there because of his goal-scoring record, his all-round ability, but when you talk about goal-scorers in the Premier League, Alan Shearer, 
is by far the greatest. And I think I loved his tweet the other day when Aguero actually equaled um, with the 11 hat-tricks. And he was kind of like, yeah, I'm still out there as the number one goal scorer of all time in the Premier League. And I witnessed Alan on a daily basis. He was the first one into train. He was the last one to leave. He has not got anywhere near the ability that Sergio Aguero has got technical, yep. the, the the way he can drift past players. Alan worked damn hard at what he was. He was a goal scorer. He got his runs in the box and he had a powerful shot and a header and he played with his back to goal. Um, but he's up there, but for me, Shearer all time. Thomas? Yeah, no, obviously, um, you know, you can't. You know, I played against Shearer as well and, and, and just his... You know, it's 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 also about being clever as a striker. Yeah, you can, you can have all the the, the physical abilities. Uh, Aguero is potentially more explosive, and um, but but just the the quality of finishing from Alan Shearer and, and just the way he sort of moved his opponents around. You know, in in regards to defenders, um, you know, always getting on the right side. Things that normal people wouldn't see. Small nudges making sure that he's always in in the best position to to receive and and get in on goal. Um, you know, it, he's you know, I probably agree with you. There's no, it's not uh, getting around. He's. I mean, we played with a best. hell of a goal scorer in Kevin yeah, Phillips. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but he didn't. <laughs> no, but we were sitting there talking about worldwide. Yeah. Who's the best number nine? It depends more what kind of style you want to play because you got, you know, nines that can drop. You got solid number nines that are big target forwards. Yeah, it depends on how you want to play, but Aguero is, you know, you have to mention his name for sure. Absolutely. There'd be very few teams in the world that would turn him down in the vein of form he is in for Manchester City at the moment. Thomas, Aaron Ramsey's cool $728,000 per week at Juventus. That deal is... Enormous. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that that's the way, uh, you know, football is going. Um, you know, and uh, you see... Uh, you know the top of all other sports as well. It's it's uh, when the when the TV is behind it uh, and the money is there, and then he's he's on a free transfer obviously as well. So they, they don't have to pay anything up front. Uh, so that means that they can add a little bit more to his uh, his uh, back pocket, and I'm sure he's happy about it. I wouldn't say he's a you know he's a very good player, um, but you know it's it's uh, you know it's difficult to say if he deserves that kind of salary. I think it made him was it um, the. For the British players, the highest base yeah. wage, a weekly wage ever at the mo- well at the moment it's twenty nineteen. Who knows how much more ridiculous it can get? And what I noticed was um, fans just blowing up because they feel that Arsenal didn't give him as as fitting a tribute on Twitter. Basically said, I think it was just thank you for eleven years of service. Yeah. 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 Well, you. this is what the Bosman rule brought in for players to try and see out their contract, and if you were able to not get injured, that was that. That's the risk. You may get injured in the last six months of your contract, so then you don't see this money. But there was another player that left Arsenal on a similar wage, I do believe, or it's very, and he went to Man United. Didn't hmm. quite work out. Didn't but work that, out for yeah. him. Because well, he's counting his cash now. There it is, There it is, Bridgie, though. £400,000 a week is because of the transfer fee that they didn't have to pay because of free transfers. So they can give a little bit more to Ramsey. But that much money for a player does make me think, why did it go wrong? Why does he not fit in at Arsenal anymore? How can Arsenal let a player that was coveted by all the big clubs um, that he wasn't worth for Unai Emery? What, Ramsey? Mm. He's got, he, he should have stayed. They should have gone all out to keep him. And, you know, they were, it, it's absolutely frightening what, is, what has gone on. Uh, I mean, I, I, fair play to him for leaving for that kind of money because Arsenal showed no, um, no resolve to keep him. They didn't want him and he felt exposed and good on him. In reference to what you mentioned, Alexis Sanchez before, of course. And lastly on this, how much is it going to bite Arsenal later on? The fact, the wage they put Mesut Ozil on and 
Henrik Mkhitaryan as well, who they brought in for Sanchez, who's also on the big coin too. I think it's backfired because Unai Emery is not getting on with Ozil. He's he's down tools. Mkhitaryan's been injured. And, you know, you're losing Ramsey. I believe that he's been absolutely instrumental in a lot of the play and the build-up play, the goal scoring um, for Arsenal. He's been Mr. Reliable and another another player they're getting rid of. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that is so important as well, and I, I witnessed this at, at Stoke City, uh, you know, Arsenal, you know, you, those players that are the core value, those that, that carry the badge with pride, they're not just there for, for the money. You know, he's one of the, the cornerstones of, of that Arsenal team. And and then you, you, you can, you can you, we can have an opinions on, on Ursula and, and some of the others that are on, on massive wages. But I think if, if the ship starts to sink, you know, that they're the first ones to, to jump overboard. And, 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 and you know, Ramsey, he's that sort of player that you would want in that. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. That team, and I saw it at Stoke City, when you start to, you know, get mercenaries in and, you know, your dressing room starts to go a little bit. It becomes disjointed, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and, and big money and, and big, you know, big difference in wages, you know, envy comes. There's there's so many aspects to it, and and uh, and I think to let him go, who's a you know a, a, an Arsenal boy who loves the club, it, it's I think it's a mistake. In the dressing room, do you feel that wage hierarchy? Because they always talk about it in in the tabloids and that kind of thing. But is that a real thing or is that a tabloid myth? For for me personally, I think if the people are worth it, I, you know, I, I'm all for paying people if they're worth it. But the problem is if you if you sit in a dressing room, you you're doing everything you can. You know, at the end of the day, I, I, I've never played for for the money, but it 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 does. You know, you got to live, and um and and you look across the dressing room and you see someone who actually doesn't care and he's making a fortune and he's just laughing and it doesn't matter because he's on this that's when the problem starts and, and that's where the money can become an issue um, it never resented me when Leeds United signed Seth Johnson on £55,000 a week and I was on a mere 10 I was absolutely <laughs> devastated so no that, that that never hurt me one bit I didn't I didn't go knocking the chairman's door the following day <laughs> now in this room there's no there's, there's, there's no one's worried about anything like that in this room whatsoever hey Bridget <laughs> <laughs> the seventh best club in the Premier League actually is. Oh, Dave, that's a great question. Oh, thank you. That's um, why. I'm, that's why. That's why I get the big bucks in the wage hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Any of eight teams. So. <laughs> wow. I'm, do you know what? I'm going to be. I'm going to put one out there. I believe West Ham. Yeah. For the size, of the club, the players that they have, and um, the manager that they've got this moment in time, they've gone through a, a lot of turmoil, um, instability, and I believe that they should be that team up there. Um, in that seventh spot. I think in patches they have been this year. Yeah. The challenge for them is to find that consistently. Uh, I think on paper, you, you know, you'd, you'd say Everton, but it's it's just not going that way. Um, and uh, But Leicester, for me, maybe. Uh, I think they got the, you know, they got a, a good squad. Um, obviously, champions from a few years back. I think they're uh, definitely in the mix for that seventh. I'm just, um, I'm going to say Wolves. Just because, just watch them, watch them go. They've obviously there's a plan. There's there's money in place. They've been very impressive and with good reason. It's not you know a fluke. And just watch them over the next couple of years. They've got a very good agent in Mendes, haven't they? 
who looks after Ronaldo. <laughs> you think after his time at Juve, he might just see him in a, in a Wolf shirt? <laughs> we might see him, yeah, why not? See him back there, well, in the league. God, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Wrong colours. No, right colours. <laughs> Master wheel and dealer. And if, you're, and if you're not aware of what we're sort of joking about, a Portuguese super agent manages Ronaldo, married, manages Mourinho, and there is a lot of Portuguese players. They call it the little, little Lisbon uh, at times, the, the local cafe and mm. coffee shops over there near where Wolves play. Um, Mel, so we talked about it before with Schwartzy. Alan Stadgett's press conference the other day and the continued Matilda's tumult is... Um, just, I'm trying to think of a word less... Oh, see, I haven't played this game before, so I know I need one word, which you all know is impossible for me. You are useless at this I game. I am, I'm terrible. <laughs> I, I, I promise I'll be better next time. Um, it's disgraceful, embarrassing... Oh, stop, I've done the one word. Uh, can I expand now? Please. Okay. Um... I've just sort of sat back and watched and I, I spoke to him the day he was fired. I couldn't get my head around it. I don't think anyone could. And obviously things play out. Um, I still don't know really what to say because a lot of people, I'm not the type that would really jump on really quickly. You know, we've talked about, you know, get social media, be really quick to chime in um, because there's so many layers to what's gone on. And um, I just think – I'm not going to speak as an expert or as someone that claims to be on any form of the inner sanctum, just as someone who has known him for a very long time, and I mean by that I mean over 20 years, and has seen his journey and through our, our jobs from – we've crossed paths at different points um, job-wise from him as a teacher in a, a sports school – um, and he was w- around working in women's football then with, I don't know if you remember Sally Shippard, you would remember, you know, real rising star and he was a real mentor there. I saw him with Kaya Simon when she was a youngster as well. Um, Lisa Devanna throughout her career. I've just seen him in and around these girls for a very, very long time. In fact, I've seen the Matilda set up for years, Tom Simani and before that as well. And I just, I, I don't understand when you've got all these big names that have come out and I'm, not, I'm probably not going to say anything new here, when all the big names, including Elise Perry after the WBBL final comes out, you know, Sam Kerr, Kaya Sam, like heaps of them, we know this, have all spoken out. For me, just watching what's happened and seeing how he has genuinely had a great relationship with the players that I've seen and uh, what he's brought and how he has gone about bringing these things, uh, this success in, you know, they were number four in the world. Um, I'm just trying to keep my thoughts together so I don't uh, so I do it do him justice. Uh, I you know I just I think I don't want to be um, saying too, criti- too critical of the FFA, but it is really disheartening for someone who like all of you have loved the game our whole lives and has loved the Australian game my whole life. Um, you're constantly explaining to other people and, and you're at a loss because this is a man who is before it was fashionable to be anywhere near women's football. He was very much entrenched in it. He's you know bled for the game he always had and for the women's game specifically. Yes, he's uh, he's He's a ferocious competitor and that's why he's gotten as far as he has. That's why he's got these W League titles as well and that's why these players at the elite level respond and really speak up, um, really have have spoken up in defence of him. Again, I don't know if I'm coherent right now because I just, I feel very emotional about the whole thing. Um, I feel very sad and I, I I, I cannot fathom him waking up in the morning when he's been working long term on this journey to Paris or, or France, if you like, for the World Cup, and then waking up in the morning and going, oh, there's nothing to do now. It's, it's done now. I, I, don't, I don't understand how any of this unfolds. Mel, you've been on the road uh, with the cricket family, I suppose, for the last couple of months. When this happened, how do they perceive what, happened, what's, what, what is happening in our game? What is the wider reaction to something that internally we, we're struggling to digest? It's not just Stadge, unfortunately. It's for, I suppose, over the years, different things that have happened. Um, 
and Postacoglu, uh, things that have happened in the A-League. You know, this is a common thing for me when I've worked, you know, different things, big bash, Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games, just different people from all walks of life. But cricket is a big one. And uh, I was at the Gabba. Alan Border marches over to me before play on one of the days to just specifically say, Mel, what's going on? What's going on with the Matildas coach at Alan Stagy? What's the story there? And he's there shaking his head. And he's another one who was a ferocious competitor and also a, a softy, I think, who really cared the same way Stagy really cares as well. And you're just at a loss. And I can't help but, you know, be in fierce defence of, of Stagic as as a man, just in terms of what I've seen him bring out and how I've seen these girls and women respond to him over these. And, and, and I guess the, he's done things that the Aussie team hasn't done before. I'm going to break up the mood here. He said what? We're going to move on. We've finished finishing the sentence and we're going to move on. And we talk about so many different topics. And now we're going to talk, return to the Premier League. Now, Pep Guardiola, he weighed in on Maurizio Sarri's future with this. People, I said many times, that people don't understand how difficult it is to do something. My first year was difficult too. So my first year, you could not play in the way we played. In some moments, we play good, but not this consistent. The people expect, okay, arrive one manager with buying players and immediately comes. Needs time, and and only only depends of the of the of the believers, of the the owners, or the people who is in charge really believe in that. And I'm just going to compare that to what Jamie Carragher had to say on Sky Sports. And I think looking at, at Sarri, uh, it's only obviously just over halfway through his first season, but the worst thing I can say is it looks like he's turned Chelsea into Arsenal. Chelsea into Arsenal. Bridgie, is it really sink or swim or Serivadachi for Maurizio at the moment? I see what you did there. <laughs> Very good. I, I really feel for the man because they were, Pep Guardiola talked about his first season in charge. Jurgen Klopp, when he took over at Liverpool, the intensity in the training loads went to a new level for the players. There was a lot of injuries. They took a whole season to get used to, or the pre-season, to get used to Klopp's methods. So Ari's coming. They are the only team that has been able to catch Manchester City in the stats of final third entries passing. So you can see that this manager has put a stamp and a mould on his team. The way he's struggling, he's got a big decision to make. The club have either got to go with Sarri and back him and let him make decisions because there's players in that team that do not want to do the work ethic that he is known for off the ball when they try and win it back. Or they've got to get rid of him, they've got to start again. Now, for me, I've seen the progression, the way that they play football with the ball. They are struggling without the ball because some of the players are unwilling to do the work rate that the Liverpool players have put in to do for Klopp. So sorry, he's got to get in the players that he wants, that he knows will do a job. Now, everyone went in just as hard on Guardiola in the English press in that first year, but how much in a dressing room sense and in that... Does his trophy cabinet buy him that Sarri doesn't have because he's never won anything? <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know that that's where you have to trust the people in charge at uh, at the club, the people that uh, you know they choose the direction of of where you're going, and they have gone with Sarri, and they you would expect have to buy full into that, and and you need you need time. I know in today's uh, you know, day and age, it, it's you know you don't have it. You know you, you probably you can look at Solskjaer. There'll be talks now, and now we doesn't deserve the other managers just because they lost today. So so it, it is really tough. Um, but but again, you know, unless there's things from the inside that you can actually see, there's things in the dressing room, and not just players, but overall he's lost the dressing room. There's something wrong. It's turned the corner. There's no way back. I think then you can look at a sacking. If that's not the case, if, if like Bridget says, we, they are moving in the right direction, but there needs to be some player changes. 
No, you got to stick with you got to stick with that direction for at least for a couple of years. You could probably get one of the forty-two that are back out on loan. That might be a start. <laughs> yeah. Some young, energetic players. <laughs> what are your thoughts, the two of you? Maybe this is sidetracking a little bit, but say the culture at Chelsea and the, uh, I guess, the player power, which we've seen, we've we saw it at United as well. To be fair, um, Solskjaer, we don't necessarily know how good yet he is as a manager, good or, or not good. We, he's, he's good to a point. He's clearly a man manager, but. These players could play. They just didn't want to play for Cho- Jose. At Chelsea, you know you're on borrowed time because we know, historically speaking, if they just go, don't like you, next, next, they, you know, the results go the wrong way and then they, they have knee-jerk reaction after knee-jerk reaction. How much of that is, is um, something, I guess, for this day and age and something to be really wary of, these big-name players, high-paid players who just stop playing for the manager uh, and also the manager knows, oh, I could get the sack here pretty quickly. Uh, is that fair or not? <laughs> I think managerial, uh, the way a manager works is is, is changing. You know, mm-hmm. when I look back and me and Bridgie, you know, it was one, one way communication. You know, you know, exactly. it was just it was just sit down, shut up, and and, and do what you're told, mm-hmm. and 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 that doesn't work today. You know, the you know the way the football and the world has evolved. You know, it's all about individuals, and and I think it takes a special manager, you know, to 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 you know, get that togetherness in a dressing room. And I think that's what Solskjaer has done really well. He's come in, you know, he, he's looked at that and he's given that freedom, that belief to the players. Um, and, and you know, Sari seems to be a little bit, it has to be my way or the highway. And that doesn't suit someone. And then he needs to get rid of those because otherwise they're just going to be a contamination of the dressing room. And, and, and if the result starts to turn, their voices will be bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually, as you say, pay, player power, People will start to listen to it, and and he's gone. Three teams at the top, the managers Pep Guardiola, Klopp, Pochettino. They've all got a fantastic relationship and bond with the younger players as well as the senior players, and you can see it on their faces. They interact in a way that is it's a bit of give and take, and that I think they've had a, a lot of success due to that because they've changed with the times. That social media has come in. Mourinho hasn't done it. I don't see sorry. You get the social media side. Well, there you go. The game has evolved. There's none of this shouting and telling you where to go and bleep this, bleep that. You've got to encourage your players and you've got to be positive in the dressing room. This is a chance for Chelsea to decide whether they want to continue this boom or bust uh, philosophy that they have. They've appointed him. They appointed him just before the season. Didn't give him much time to embed this philosophy that they wanted. Uh, he came to Perth, bent the plays in, plays in Perth, basically. So this is their moment here. They either stick with him and try and give him the chance or... It's the boom and bust continues, and that is what Chelsea will simply continue to be. Moving on, this is one that, for Thomas, and it's Peter Schmeichel talking about Casper Schmeichel and Leicester City. Leicester City is a really good football club, and once they get everything sorted out, and I leave it to you to interpret what that means, uh, once they get you know, their act together, it's actually not a bad football club. And got good players that just don't have the manager who can who can uh, who can you know get anything out of them. Thomas, what say you on a couple of players that you were you, you played in the national team almost in between them? <laughs> yeah, obviously I, I, I play with with Peter in the national team and know him really well. I know Casper; he's a personal friend of mine. So I, you know, and um, Peter, as you can hear, is his biggest lobbyist. Uh, <laughs> is his dad his agent? Uh, it could be. Uh, I know he's he's been lobbying to get him in a Man United. Uh, like every time there's the <laughs> the gear has a bad game, but uh, you know, again, uh, I can only talk so highly uh, about Casper. I think he's earned everything that he's 
achieved. Um, and obviously, Peter here is talking about him moving potentially to to a top team. You know, we're talking a top six. Uh, I know Leicester won the, the the championship a few years ago, but um, but so what top six team would he go to? Yeah, but that's you know I think Peter also in this interview come back to is that that's not really any openings, um, and and it's maybe more demanding a little bit extra from uh, from Leicester that um, you know. But I see Casper as a top ten keeper in in the world for sure, and uh, he earns it like he's earned a shot at a at the big time. Do you think he's better than any of the six that are currently in the top six? That's how, what, what I like about it. I like his mentality. You know, he's a winner, and and I know how much he's sacrificed. You know, he's he's. You know he's left his 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 family behind uh, in in Denmark and he, he, to to pursue the career and and uh, um, you, you know he's he lived two hours on a train ground left four o'clock in the morning uh, he's the fir- first man in last man out um, and and um, and again he's had to deal with all this um, about his dad his name you know he could have taken the easy route back in the early days from Man City he could have. You know, just jumped on the bandwagon of his name, and and but he he went to Notch County and he took the the hard way through Leicester and and then to the to the championship a few years ago. So um, you know, I I hope um, because we saw at the World Cup as well. I thought he was one of the best keepers there, uh, even though Denmark only uh, went to where they did. Um, you know, he uh, he was tremendous for them. Geez, Arsenal spent big and Chelsea spent big on keepers. There might have been a cheaper one though. Couple of places down on the ladder, right? Yeah, no, I think what he brings to the dressing room as well. We were just talking about how important that is. You know, he is a he's a winner, and and that affects everyone around him. When you, when you watch the games, he's his aura, and um, you know that just that, that mentality is is so important. Right. Well, guys, another segment. Oh, here's a good yarn. Jeez, Mel, you talked about the high quality we've brought in with the with the equipment, but yep. <laughs> still the jury's out on those. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> Guys, Benfica 10, Nacional nil in Portugal. We saw Porto this morning and Benfica are breathing right down their neck. It's the first time in double digits in Portugal since the 60s. Does this bring back oh, any haunting memories from your career from the worst defeats you ever were involved in? Why are you looking at me? I don't know. Sorry, Bridgie. <laughs> Did I just play for rubbish teams? I got beat like 10-0 all the time. Um, me. It's a tough one because Tommy and me were trying to have a think about the results and the worst defeats. You're trying to put them out your out your memory and forget about them. And I, my biggest one, I think, was at Old Trafford against United when Cantona scored that lovely dink into the top corner. And I think that finished 5-0 or 5-1. I'm not too sure. Right, so you had a good view of a classic moment. Well, I clapped his goal because it was so good. <laughs> you got in trouble for that, didn't you? Yeah, Peter, Do you remember it more Peter when you've had to pick the ball out of the back of the net? No, that's a little bit about Bridget. It seems to forget. I get old. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, I think six 0 I, I, I lost to Arsenal at, at one point when Henri was at his, his highest, and uh, we got uh, shipped out of uh, Highbury at that <laughs> on that day. Um, but yeah, but the, you know, ten nil. Does it belong in the you know top league somewhere? It, it just maybe says a lot about the, the differences in Portugal. That uh, you know the amount of money that the top teams have compared to probably uh, the ones at the bottom. Guys, it was a funny moment. Well, the end of Chelsea City was quite funny with Sari storm, storming down the tunnel, forgetting to shake Guardiola's hand. And you had Mike Dean hiding the match ball from Sergio Aguero after his hat-trick. I, I love the tweet that said, Sergio Aguero scores a hat-trick, Manchester City wins 6-0, and Mike Dean gets all the headlines. But it was a nice human moment, wasn't it? Uh, and does it remind, did you have a relationship with that, like that with any referee out there or, or in your time? There was one I had a referee called Mark Clattenburg, and he was from Newcastle, a uh, similar area. 
And I'll never forget, he was refereeing a, a Sunderland game, and me and Jacob Burns, was, he was playing for Barnsley. We actually had a bit of a, a scuffle and a come together. And Burnsy ripped my shirt, and I turned to Mark Clattenburg and I said, mate, I said, are you going to do anything about this? He's ripped my shirt. And he said, you can get stuffed, you Mackham. You're not getting anything off me during this game. Now, a Mackham is a derogatory turn for a Sunderland player and a Sunderland fan. You've got a Newcastle referee. I couldn't believe what I witnessed and what I heard. And I w- he just caught us off guard. And afterwards, he had a laugh and a joke because he is from Newcastle, and that was his banter. Um, how he got away with it, I'll never know. There was no microphones, but it was it was brilliant because it made him feel normal and human, and I got I, I saw the funny side of it. I actually interviewed him once, and that's what came across, was he was actually really, uh, a really good-natured person who actually wanted to have a relationship with the players. That's why he was so good, because the players had a good relationship, and it was nice to actually see Mike Dean do that, so you, you kind of go, oh, they have got a sense of humour personality. Well, he's one card away from 100, though, Mike Dean, so he's going to get his moment in the sun shortly. Thomas? Yeah, no, I, I, st- on the general refereeing thing, I, I think you, you're touching on the right thing, Bridget. It's, it's the, you know, it's that mutual respect and, and a, a little bit of, sort of common sense when games go on and, and there's a lot of emotion uh, on the field and, and I think now you, you know there's, there's too many rules you know the, the, the referees are overlooked uh, so much that they're not allowed to bend the rules you know they, they get judged every single game and and if they don't get it right and sometimes you just need to 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 sense the you know the situation and where you are in a game and 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 what's the right thing to do it might not be technically the right decision but for the game it's the right decision uh and and, and i think that's been taken away and i think there's just been this rival uh, this confrontation build build up between players and, and referees there was nothing more refreshing than hearing a referee run past you and say why did you give that decision and he goes i actually made a mistake and you, mm. ca- you go all oh, right okay I wish they could do that on a t- on the television and do the same with the fans so that you would actually feel, yeah, they are humans, we make errors. Well, especially with VAR. <laughs> Next segment. Would you rather? Mel? <laughs> There's another classic. Now, Paul Pogba, he did get sent off this morning, but he has been a revelation since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over. Mm. Would you rather Paul Pogba or Kevin De Bruyne in your side? Both in their prime? Can't be greedy. You got to choose one. It's would you no, rather? I mean, are they, in their <laughs> are they not in their prime now? Or? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Pogba's been a little bit uh, okay, temperamental, shall we say? I'll, I will go. Uh, I'll go with Pogba when he when he's flying. Can, can I say that? Absolutely. You, you're in my side, but you have to be the guy that's doing what he's doing now and what he does for national side when he cares to. What a joke! Is that fair? What a yeah, joke! I know fair. it's disgusting, it's isn't shocking. it? Because De Bruyne has been amazing. He has. And he's then he's been. Well, he's been out. For I'll put his stats against Pogba's stats all day of the week, and I will take De Bruyne all day long. Hey, you won't, because you won't be bothered to put that together for this argument. True. Yeah, exactly. Who's the, who would be the biggest loss if if City were missing De Bruyne in the Champions League crunch stage, and Pogba is going to be missing the next leg? Who who is the bigger loss for their side? I think you know if you look at the two squads and and where they are and and, and what they're going through. I think Pogba is the best biggest loss. I think Man City will cope because you know they have a system and and uh, they've been in that system for for a long time. So uh, yeah, I think uh, Pogba it's the biggest loss. Bridgie, one incident from the weekend. Jamie Vardy came on and took a penalty with his very first touch against Tottenham. So would you rather, as a sub just coming on, would you rather take that penalty like Jamie Vardy did against Spurs or get a bit of time to warm up and not expose yourself straight away? Are you asking a striker that question? Well, Tommy, you'll be surprised at my answer. I would take it. (laughs) Just to get a goal. I've never scored. (laughs) Why do you think I sat on the bench for half my career? I'm happy staying there, mate. I don't want to come on and take a penalty and get the headlines for the wrong reasons. I'm happy getting spelled to me, bum. <laughs> so when the coach whispers to you, says, we're making a sub, it's penalty, it's all yours, Bridgie, you're saying... Don't put me on. <laughs> <laughs> all 
Oh, dear. Thomas, um, would you rather start your manager career, managerial career like Lampard, like Gerard, or like Gary Neville or Ryan Giggs, exposed in the spotlight like that, or at your boyhood club in League Two, a little bit more shielded like Paul Scholes at Oldham? That's, it's a tough question because I'm actually sort of contemplating if if I should go into coaching sort of, uh, you know, further down the line. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's the easy one to jump in with good players, um, but on the other hand, you need to learn the, the, the trade and, and you sometimes do it when times are hard and, and you've you got to do the hard yards. So I think probably somewhere in the middle, maybe, uh, you know, jump in at a reasonably high level, but not, not as, a, at a, as a sort of grassroots. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough one because if you fail, you know, it's only downhill from there. You know. It's a nice one the way Scholes has done it, although it's funny how many comments from former teammates have said they did not see him going into management coming at all. And... It's also funny because he's been a pundit, obviously, recently with some strong opinions about Jose and he's already put out the comments of, oh, yeah, well, I get paid to do that and that's what I'm supposed to do and uh, just basically covering himself for the way he just hammered Jose the whole time. (laughs) He did reference him in his first press conference. In his very first Which apparently he actually welcomed the press at the door, which shows how humble sort of the the, the ground is and the setup is there. He said, I'm I'm pretty sure Jose will be looking at my results. Whether he watches any games, (laughs) I'm not sure, but he'll be definitely watching my results if I'm struggling. Guys, we've loved that. We've raced through it. That's another gag and pod under our belt. A big morning of, of, uh, of football for everyone. Mel, we'll see you soon. Definitely. Thomas Bridgie will do it all again tomorrow. And Friday, we've got the Europa League as well. Live streams on YouTube and Twitter on Thursday and Friday as Optusport makes history with our social and digital platforms. So enjoy all that. And until the next gag and pod, enjoy your football. <laughs>